last episode, we covered the Silicon Valley crash. We set the stage for what's to come, what's to change in the future, what should change, what should we be looking at. In this podcast, I will continue over the course of the coming episodes to dive into different topics of things that we should be focusing on, thinking about, and considering for change. In this episode, we're going to talk about compensation, OTEs, quotas, what's right, what's wrong, what's broken, and how did it happen? Let's dive into it. For those who read my recent blog, you know that one of the things that I think we should be focused on changing and improving are quotas, compensation, OTEs, and how they all fit together. How did we get to where we're at? Well, we have an industry-wide problem. Quota attainment, it just keeps going down and everyone's asking questions. Now, we can focus a lot on the sales reasons, the objections, the competition, all of these different things. And we do plenty of that. And there's plenty of work to be done in those areas and there's plenty of excuses, reasons, all of the above. But there's also a much bigger bigger reason that this is happening that most people are probably not paying much attention to. And it really comes down to economics and math. I mean, who would have thought, right? And that's what seems to be the vein of our existence these days. But what do I mean? Well, what we know is over the last few years, we've had a lot of money pouring into the economy, and this has resulted in startups having easier access to capital, which means more money, which means a more competitive job market, which means people want to offer higher salaries. They want to compete for the best talent, and the easiest way to do that with salespeople tends to be money. So average OTE goes up, and what happens alongside that? Well, it's the thing that often goes unnoticed, which is the quota. If I'm a VP of sales and I go to my head of HR and my head of finance and I say, hey, folks, we're having a lot of trouble meeting our hiring quotas. All of the competition, they're paying higher OTEs. We need to raise our OTE. Well, it's never that easy. It's going to ultimately result in some sort of a quota increase. And there's various maneuvers that finance folks like to offer up to do this. But ultimately, that is what will happen. The quota will steadily climb at some point. And maybe they won't even hit you with it right away, right? Finance will say, okay, do it we got to do to make the hires, but then next year, whatever, they work it into the plan. Uh, ultimately, that's what happens year over year is the average OTE goes up, but the quota goes up as well. The problem is just because the OTE is going up doesn't mean that the quota is all of a sudden uh, just we're going to hit more. We're going to sell more. It doesn't really work that way, right? But you can create an illusion that you are paying a lot of money and you can hire a bunch of people that way. And then what happens six to 12 months later is you got a bunch of people who haven't hit their target and now they're getting turned over, et cetera, et cetera. And salespeople, you know what this is like. And this is why we often say to you, don't take a job just because of the OTE. Don't take a job just because of the 10K, the 20K. And most especially, you should not even ask what the quota is until you've asked what their average quota attainment is. And I don't mean just casually asking them and taking the first answer that they give you. And that's probably a mistake. They're going to give you a buttered up answer. They're going to remove the people who didn't make it through training, or they're going to include the people they forgot about. Uh, but these things are not good. What you need to do is ask around. Around. You need to ask the person who's interviewing, do you mind if I speak to a few people who work here or perhaps some people who used to work here? Or just go do your own poking around on LinkedIn. Send some people some messages. Hey, I'm considering going to work here. I see that you used to work there. Uh, they told me the average quota attainment is X. I'm curious if you uh, agree with that or not. Ask around. Find out the answers to these questions because if the average quota attainment based on your own research or what they tell you is not 100%, well then when they tell you an OTE, that's not what you're going to get paid most likely. 
likely. So you need to figure this stuff out. You have to do this math. And so now I'd like to dive into the problem, the solution, and really my thoughts around this whole situation, because it's one of those problems that's like a snowball. You start out with the right intention. You want to pay more. You end up with a higher quota. Years and years of this compounding, and you end up with an entire industry of salespeople that really just can't seem to hit their quotas no matter where they go. Now, we can't possibly believe that we just have an entire industry of salespeople that are just not that good. That doesn't really make sense. The industry average just shouldn't be that low, especially for a profession that we have arguably done nothing but get better and better and better at over the years. I would say that the average salesperson is significantly better today than they were 10 years ago, yet their average quota attainment, it's down. Well, this again is the result of a competitive job market where you have to continuously raise OTEs at a rate that you can barely keep up with. And then finance has to figure out how to make the numbers work and you end up with a higher quota. The result of this is that you will have salespeople who spend the majority of their time. And by majority of your time, I want you to think of a salesperson's life as it's 30 days at a time, 31, 32, whatever, right? Uh, 29, whatever, 30 days. How many of those 30 days are they at high peak stress level? How many of those 30 days are they sort of in the middle? And how many of those 30 days is their stress just pretty low and they're pretty comfortable? Well, when you have an average quota attainment that's uh, well below 80%, they're probably going to be spending the majority of their month high stress, low confidence, low morale, low energy, getting more and more, uh, less and less engaged, disengaged as time goes by. Uh, these things are all bad. This is not going to help someone reach their peak potential. And when you're spending a boatload of money to hire salespeople, you would think that you'd want to make all of the decisions possible to position these people to be successful. Well, probably you want to put them in a position where they're not so stressed out uh, for two thirds of their month. The first two or three weeks of a month being a high stress, not even sure if you're going to be able to pay your bills next month. This is not, hey, you set someone up for success. And so we're just doing the math wrong. And as I wrote in my recent blog, and I'll explain here, this is a mathematical equation that can be simplified. We are literally allowing numbers in a spreadsheet to trigger negative psychological emotions and effects on an entire sales team, then industry, because we're putting too much stress on them. We're expecting them to do things that are unrealistic in order for us to promise them OTEs that well, we're probably never going to really end up paying them because we had to jack the quota up so high just to even get to that OTE. So it's all a bunch of fake numbers sitting on a spreadsheet or a job offer for that matter, or a comp plan for that matter. But all of these numbers are really having no effect other than reducing the actual performance of the entire sales team or industry for that matter, because we're putting so much stress on them to hit numbers that are unrealistic. Now, salespeople, if you smarten up, then you can take control of this problem right away because you just have to start asking the right questions and not going to work at places uh, that don't have 100% quota attainment on average. Or if they don't, at least you factor that into what you're going to be promised in compensation. Maybe you're okay with 80% of your OTE, but usually that just adds stress anyway, because you're not so sure if you're going to get to keep your job because you're not at hundred percent. And this is why these numbers are all backwards. And so if you go into um, my blog, you will be able to see some different graphics that I put together to help display a couple different scenarios. One scenario, which I would say is an example of how we do things today. It will say that the sales print, this is uh, scenario A. Let's say the salesperson has an annual quota of $1 million and they have an on-target earnings of $200,000. Average quota attainment at that company, 80%, which means the average income, 
160K. And the average quota is uh, 800K, right? That's the uh, quota attainment, 80% of the million. So instead of them having a million dollar quota and uh, hitting 80% of that and ending up uh, and not getting their $200,000 OTE, they're at about a 160, although some companies are going to pay even less percentage, right? You're going to end up even more in the water there. And you generally just don't feel good because you don't feel like you were successful. You made $160,000 and you closed a lot of great business. That should probably be considered success. But we've structured the math in such a way that it feels terrible and it looks terrible. This is because we're not asking the right questions when we're getting these jobs. And on the other side of it, companies are just continuing to try to market themselves as such a high paying sales job. But really the revenue that they need to require to make those payments is probably unrealistic. So I would like to put forward an idea that the entire SaaS industry just starts open sourcing uh, their average quota attainment. Yeah, put it into your job postings, provide some proof to the extent that you can. Publicly traded companies, I understand you got some situations there. And nonetheless, I think there's ways around that because you cannot advertise a job to a salesperson with a price tag on it, telling them you're going to make this much money if you're leaving out the most critical ingredient, which is how many people actually make that much money in that job. Because we know half of their compensation is going to be in commission. And so without knowing this other key metric, uh, we don't really know how much we're going to make in this job. In fact, we don't even really know uh, if we're going to feel successful in this job or be successful in this job because we may just hit 80% every month. Even though if you had just told us that the quota um, was 800,000 instead of a million and the OTE was 160,000 instead of um, 200,000, well, then we could come in there and crush that quota every single month. The outcome is precisely the same, except you're going to have a compounding advantage now rather than a compounding disadvantage because the compounding advantage is the result of salespeople and teams having high spirits, having high confidence, being in good moods because they're crushing it. Because when they get a week or two into the month, they're basically almost already at their quota. So they know they're going to be able to pay their bills next month. The problem is we set the expectations so high that the benchmark for success mentally is not good. And now I've got some proof of the fact that these numbers actually, everything I'm saying, it's real. There was a gentleman who reposted my post. Now I wrote this blog I'm referring to is on my website, but it started as a post on LinkedIn. And then I elaborated on it onto my blog to make it longer and put some graphics in there. You can check it out. Um, this gentleman is a finance and strategy person who has basically been in finance and strategy and administration his whole career. Uh, probably has had a lot of success, I have no doubt, and probably quite intelligent and smart. The problem is he's looking at everything from the perspective of a finance person. And this is really not generally what you want when you are designing a compensation plan, because the problem is a compensation plan is not supposed to be treated as just a finance plan. But no, it's an incentive plan. You need to understand humans to do that. And I would just wager that people who spend their days in spreadsheets all day are probably not the best people to be thinking about how to incentivize humans. It's no offense. There's plenty of things that I'm not good at, like being inside those spreadsheets trying to figure out if all these numbers work. And that's where I need a partner like these people. But uh, they can't be drawn their own conclusions on this stuff because they're going to miss these most important ingredients. And you're going to end up with an industry that has less than 80% average quota attainment. It's way worse. In fact, in this gentleman's post, he specifically contradicted himself. And that's why I couldn't even read the whole post because I read number um, two and it said something to the tune of uh, that you should be targeting 50 to 60% average quota attainment. This is your target. This is what you should aim for. This is how you know your quota is accurate, he says. Yeah, but then he follows into number three. This is like a list of 10 things. It's very thorough. He put a lot of time into this, um, but I lo he lost me at two and three because number two says we're aiming for 50 or 60% of our people to be able to hit quota. Uh, so that tells me right away that you're setting 40 to 50% of your people up for failure. And so that raises questions immediately. Okay. And so <laughs> he follows that up with the next statement, 
was something to the tune of the importance of people being able to have achievable quotas. And so I'm sitting here thinking, well, if you acknowledge that it's important that quotas are achievable, why are you saying that we should set a target that only 50 to 60% of people will actually hit the quota? Those seem like two extremely contradictory points. And coming from a finance person, this is not just an opinion. Mathematically, it's contradictory. You can literally calculate it in a spreadsheet. And so on this one, I don't know what you're going to say back to that. I'll be interested to see. Nonetheless, what we have to do here is take our finance hats off and come back to that. Okay. The best way to run a business is not to ask finance to strategize things. The best way to run a business is to let strategic minds strategize things and then tell finance to figure out how to make it work. Yes. And they may come back and say, you need to figure this out and then we will do some more strategy. And that's how it works. But you just throw this whole thing into the hands of someone who's in the spreadsheet all day. Well, you're going to end up, like I said, with an industry of salespeople that are getting fired all the time and have an average quota attainment that just continues to go down. And meanwhile, salespeople are actually just getting better and better and better at their jobs industry-wide. So it doesn't make sense. Nope. But it does in their formula because people are just columns and rows and spreadsheets. They're not humans with emotions. And so they don't factor these things in. And so what I did inside of my blog is I provided actual spreadsheet graphics that I put together to help speak the finance language, even though it's it's not really a finance model. It's showing you stress levels and how stress levels correlate to performance. And so if you go from scenario A, where you're promising uh, this super high OTE, but also t- a super high unachievable quota to it, where our finance friends say we should have 50 to 60% of people hit this quota. Okay. So the result of that is 40 to 50% of the people don't hit the quota. And really all of them are super stressed out because the quota is super hard to hit, even for the ones who maybe get there. And so we are degrading the potential, the performance, the morale of the entire team. What do we get in return for that? Nothing. We get just to be able to promise some compensation to people that's not even real. And that's not going to work anymore because I just taught the whole sales world that they need to ask these questions about average quota attainment or else just ignore the compensation promises. And I mean it. Ignore them. Don't let them give you their word for this stuff. This is super important. It's like someone telling you they're going to pay you one million a year. One million what? What currency? We'll let you know when you get the job, when you get there. Uh, No. What are you going to give me? One million Turkish lira? Or uh, Come on. But this is the same thing as us saying, we got this job with this big OTE. Half of it's in commission. and I got no clue how many of those reps have actually hit the OTE. Come on, salespeople. Smarten up here, okay? I've made these mistakes too. It's how I've learned, but now you know. And now companies, now you know that the salespeople know. So now you got to figure out how to do things the right way. And if that means being honest and saying, listen, we can't afford a a $200,000 OTE because, and this is where you can still do your employer branding, because we have 100% quota attainment. In fact, our average is 120%. And so our OTE is 160K, um, although we actually actually have people that have been averaging 200K because they're crushing their quota because their morale is so high because by the 15th or 17th or 18th of the month, most people are already at quota. Hey, finance folks, the math is the same. You can make the math the same. The only difference, and again, look at the blog, is that you are going to get out of that high stress level sooner in the month. So if you've got your 30 days of the month and let's say there's three stress levels to make it simple, high, medium, low, with the super high quota, you're spending most of your 
your month in that high stress level. And I know this because I've been a salesperson and I've managed plenty of them. I know how it affects them. I see their moods change when they get past a certain point of revenue, especially when they do it early enough in the month. And that is the mental hack here is that you want to enable them to get to that point in their head where they feel like they are winning. The compounding effect of that will add up to dollars and cents. And ultimately, you will have a winning and thriving team where the next time people come in to interview for your jobs, you don't even need to advertise what your OTE is. You'll start advertising what the actual average take-home pay is because it's going to be above the OTE. This is the way that we should be thinking about incentive plans. In fact, while I'm at it here, why don't we stop calling them compensation plans? Maybe that's the mistake from the start is that we're not even looking at it as an incentive plan anymore. We're just thinking about it as a mathematical formula that will somehow help us create that narrative that I talked about in the last episode. But that narrative, it's got a lot of losers in it. And it's usually the whole sales team. We have an opportunity to fix this now because the money has stopped flowing into the economy. Startups are not competing on salary as much as they were, if at all, to make hires now. And especially as salespeople watch this episode, of course, they'll, they won't be able to compete on that anymore. They're going to have to compete on the real numbers. And when you start competing on the real numbers, which is what happens when money's not so easy to get, people have to start doing the real stuff, making profit, actually getting salespeople to quota, all that stuff. When you start competing on the actual numbers, salespeople are going to work at companies that that really deliver on the promise. And ultimately, they'll end up staying there much longer. And recruitment gets super easy when you have a team full of people that have been there a long time. For the salespeople who aren't going to take my advice here, the next time they're looking for a job and they're going to reach out to some people who used to work at that company. Well, imagine how easy it is to recruit when they can't find anyone who used to work at the company because they're all still there. Now that is the company that I'd want to go work at, even for 20% less on the OTE, especially if the salespeople told me they're all crushing quota. It's the power of positive psychology. If you watch Sean Anker or Sean Aker, I'm not even sure how to pronounce that one, but he's got a TED talk called The Happiness Advantage. I believe he wrote a book about it as well. And he has a stat in there that salespeople sell at a certain percent better when they're happy. I forget the exact percentage. Check it out. These numbers, they don't lie. And this is psychology, which is something that should truly be factored in to an incentive plan. So with that being said, remember, OTE means nothing if you don't know the average quota attainment. And remember, higher quotas does not mean higher revenue. So for all the VCs out there who keep seeing these startups pitching these big forecasts for their sales, you should start asking those tough questions as well. How many people actually hit that quota? What percentage of your team? Including all of the people you've ever hired, not excluding the ones who just didn't make it in the first 30 days. How many people have actually hit these numbers? VCs, I understand why you haven't asked these questions in the past, because like I said in the last episode, it didn't really matter. The narrative, if it made sense, it got the valuation up. But nowadays, it's not about that narrative. It's about the profit. It's about real dollars and cents, which means it's about value not valuation.